The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got the sun in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. Hello. Hello there, Mitch. And this week on the show, now that the season is finished, we'll do a quick breakdown of the Suns' entire season. And after that, we'll talk a little bit about the prospects that the Suns have done interviews with so far when it comes to the draft. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. All right. Let's start off with the season recap. And now that the season's finally over, and sadly the Los Angeles Lakers have won the championship, we'll go back. We'll talk about the Sun season in whole. And I think when we start off at the beginning, we remember that 7-4 and four start. And the hype that surrounded this team, even without Aiton for 10 of those games, that seven and four start was just amazing. And when's the last time Suns fans felt like that? Yeah, it was it was a very different thing. Um, I do remember this was probably two years ago now. We had a great start as well. And it was against the Mavs. Our first game was against the Mavs in both of these seasons. Yep. And I do remember being pretty excited and then going on a huge losing streak two years ago. But this past season, it was different. Like, it wasn't a fluke as much. And we looked really good. Yeah, we did. And we'll talk about the whole Aiden suspension in a minute. But that was pretty deflating finding out that we're going to be missing our number one pick from a couple years ago for the first 25 games of the season or the games two through 26 that that was tough but luckily Aaron Baines is a guy that's able to step in we have a backup center and Baines plays excellently this team it right from the beginning you can tell that the veteran presence that we had brought in really helped things out, as well as Monty leading the team. Having a guy with his experience and his know-how, I think everything just all fell into line for that start of the season to happen that way. Yeah, no, it definitely did. And it's it's weird to think that this was like a calendar year ago now. Like <laughs> this time is normally when we would be starting the season, but now we've just finally had the end of it. And it could have gone a little bit longer, but, you know, the Lakers won in six games rather than seven. So it could have gone two days longer. But, yeah, it's really weird to think that normally the season would be starting right now and we'd be talking about preseason or, well, even at this point, we'd be talking about regular season. This probably right. would have been the first week of the regular season. So, yeah, that's kind of weird to think about. But, yeah, I, I think... You know, Baines was great, but Monty Williams 
um, I remember going to like the state of the sun's season ticket holder address that the coaches do every year. And I remember it being very different with Monty Williams because I had gone when Earl Watson was coach, when Jay Triano was coach and when Igor was coach, I believe. And Monty is way different than all those guys. I remember, you know, Jay Triano and Earl Watson were pretty like, we're going to win as much as we can. And like very optimistic, not nearly as realistic. Igor was pretty realistic, I will say. But he was, I remember him saying like, this is my system. We're going to do what I want, whether it works or not, basically. And being a little bit concerned about that. Uh, but I don't know. The way Monty talked was different. He was he he was a little more personable. I think he talked about more than just basketball. He talked about his life and how excited he was to be living in Phoenix. And I remember at one point he said, "I've got everything figured out, but I'm still trying to find a church to go to." I, that sticks out to me. Um, and I just remember, you know, they get the questions every year, like are you going to make the playoffs or whatever? Totally unfair questions. But I just remember Monty saying like, I don't know, but we're going to just play using this 0.5 style. We're going to play fast. We're going to get into good shape. And I just remember it being more like realistic and different than Igor though. It wasn't like he was going to force this system on anyone. He talked about what he's learned from his players and how he needs to listen to his players and that kind of thing. So I don't know. I was encouraged by that. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I like that we didn't have a coach come out and blow us full of steam saying, yeah, we're going to make the playoffs and look, we have these guys. We're going to be great. He didn't try to hype anybody up. He just kept it real through that. And I, I like that. And that resonates with fans and I'm sure the players too, because it seems like there was a connection in that locker room with the coaching staff that maybe we hadn't seen in quite a few years. We've seen some pretty crummy things happen between players and coaches in the past. And I mean, if you want to go back to the Hornacek era, that, that was just downright ugly at times. Yeah. But I, I just have, all the confidence in the world in Monty Williams because he he he's a realistic guy and I think not being too high or too low any of the time it probably gets you a long way as a head coach. Yeah, and I'd say realistic yet positive. Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, he's. I mean, we love Monty, and I remember I was upset when we fired Igor because I remember saying. We have to have some consistency. We can't keep getting a new coach every year. We need to keep Igor, even if he's not that great. And I'm glad I was wrong. I mean, we still need consistency, but I would rather have that consistency with Monty Williams. Yep, I hear you. But, I mean, let's be realistic. Turn the page. What if we kept Igor and drafted Luca? That's true. I'd say we'd be in a nice situation still. I think it'd be tough to argue that, let's be honest here. Yeah. But I like where we're at with Monty Williams, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. I, you, you can't complain about that either. And many times on the show I've said, I still don't think Booker and Doncic would have been the best duo in the league. 
maybe it maybe it's a playoff team, but we just saw Russ and Harden get booted out of the playoffs. But that, that's a whole nother story. That's that's some wild stuff. I don't that, know if I can relate is, it too closely, but you know. Yeah. No, I know what you mean though. I mean, obviously we would have loved to have Luca. He's a superstar, all NBA caliber player that we passed on, but I'm still happy with where we're at too. For sure. All right. So we talked about it. Aiton plays one game and then gets suspended for 25. Let's talk about right when that happened though. This was, this was before the seven and four start. We were one and oh at the time. Aiton suspended for 25 games. What did you expect to happen? Well, I remember Aiton looked really good in that first game. I remember he looked like he was in shape. He played good defense. Uh, you know, continued his good offensive production. I remember being really excited about Aiton. And then the next day, we got the notifications and everything that he was going to be suspended for 25 games for taking a diuretic. And I remember being like, okay, well, that doesn't sound very good. And then there were all the debates on Twitter about, well, what is a diuretic? People saying, well, maybe he just drank cranberry juice. Cranberry juice is a diuretic. Like, you can't drink that anymore. Which, no. there You'd have to drink a ton of cranberry juice for it to be detected in your system as a diuretic. Yeah. So, I mean, Aiton was flushing his system. You know, I remember he got 25 games and I remember he was going to appeal it. And I was just hoping that maybe it would get reduced to 15 or 10 games, but it didn't. I mean, I think it's clear that he took some performance enhancing substance. He shouldn't have flushed it out and got caught. Yeah, I, it happened. I really was hoping for a, an appeal and a bit of like maybe half the games or something like that. I was really pulling for that, but it didn't happen. And then you look at the Hawks with John Collins. Same story, but he actually gets caught with some some sort of steroid in his system. It wasn't just a diuretic. He was caught with it actually in his system. And it's the same suspension. And we Mm -hmm. talked about this when it happened. Do you think they should be the same? And honestly, I don't. But I'm glad that it's being enforced this way. I'm glad it's not. I think it's a difference because who knows if Aiton really did it. You can't truly prove it. So I'd say there's a difference there. But I yeah. think I think drawing the line's probably the best thing to do long term. I, I wonder if there's more to it than we know. I wonder if he like fessed up or something and in hopes that he would, you know it would help his appeal say, yeah, you know what? I did this. I'm not going to do it again rather than making a whole big fuss out of it. Cause I like, I just remember not hearing a whole lot about it. Like he put the appeal in, they said no. And that was kind of it. Yeah, that's true. We, we expected to like hear some updates and it didn't it take a little while to actually hear back after the appeal that it yeah. had been reduced right. or anything. It did. It did take a while, but yeah, I mean, they, once they made up their mind, it was like, yeah, that's it. So I don't know. I wonder if he like said something or I don't know. Okay. Here's the thing. If you're on any sort of steroid cycle in the off season, when you're not getting drug tested, mm-hmm. whatever, but why in the world wouldn't you 
make sure it all lined up. So your last cycle of taking whatever it is was so many weeks before the start of the season, before the start of drug tests or whatever. Like, why wouldn't you line that up? Why, yeah. if you if you have a guy who's training you, if if it, you got it from a trainer, like why are those guys allowing that to happen? That that comes back to them in the end because mm-hmm. I'm sure when Aiton and Collins get popped for this, they're probably asked, "Where did you get this? Who gave it to you?" And then if it's like a strength and conditioning coach or a private one, that's gonna give them a bad rap. So. Right. What a foolish risk to take. I mean, these guys are machines physically with or without it. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you got to cut it so close? Yeah, I don't know. It was it was not a great decision by any means. And he's a young guy. Um, everyone makes mistakes. He clearly learned from this. And now if he gets suspended again next year, then I'll be really mad. Uh, I, I, it seems like he really learned from it and will be fine going forward. Well, hopefully with the short off season, there won't even be time to get in a full cycle or whatever. The yeah, is. really. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of that, I think the last I saw was they're shooting for a mid January start now. So yeah. it went from around Christmas to the beginning of January to mid January. So I'm hoping we stick with January, mm-hmm. obviously. All right. So with losing Aiton for these 25 games, that really highlighted the impact of some of the new guys we brought in on the roster. And I, let, let's talk about Aaron Baines, Dario Sarge, and Frank Kaminsky, because these three guys had to step up big while Aiton was away. And I think, obviously, the guy to start with is Aaron Baines, because we saw him do some pretty darn amazing things this season. And, man, I'm I'm just so happy he was here to be our backup plan for the Satan suspension. Yeah, I was very happy with Baines. He, I mean, he was the anchor of our defense for a while. He took a ton of charges, which I do remember getting a little bit annoyed at times. Like, okay. Yeah, he, he broke Steph Curry's wrist or hand. Yeah. Uh-huh. That that one was tough. Like I'm I'm all for defenders going into the right position to take a charge, but when you see it happen so much, you're like something bad's going to happen and yeah. it's probably not going to be on Baines's end and right. That's what happened. That yeah. stunk, but that's what happened. Yeah. So, I mean, he was a very positive presence though. I think Aiton learned a lot from Baines, and I know Monty said in his like introductory press conference that he wanted Aiton to learn from Baines. Just, you know, some toughness and that kind of thing. Baines had his game, and this was after Aiton was back, but he had his 37-point game where he hit all those threes and the step-back three, and <laughs> that was like the most ridiculous performance and being there in person and having him hit a lot of those threes on the side we were sitting on was unreal. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Baines was awesome. Uh, from everything I see just on Twitter, at least it's looking more and more like he, he probably won't be re-signing here. I mean, I don't know for sure, but he's going to have a lot of suitors and free agency. So yeah, if, if you're a big man who shoots the three anywhere near what Aaron Baines did last season, you're going to attract some offers for sure. Yeah. And all we can do is hope that we had a put a good enough experience out there for him last season to make him want to stick around. Uh, 
Is he going to be a starter anywhere else in the league? Do you think he'll leave somewhere to be a starter? Or is he going to go ring hunting? I don't know if Aaron Baines is that kind of guy. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I. It's tough to say. Tough to say where he could start. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, and, it's hard, too, because Baines seems like a good guy, you know? Right. It doesn't seem like he just wants to, you know, take the deal with the most money or that kind of thing. Like, I'm sure he'll want to go somewhere that he wants to be. Yeah, I, I just hope Monty and everyone in Phoenix did such a good job of making him feel happy here right, that he sticks around. And financially, yeah. that's going to be tough with all the, all the moves that are going to have to happen this offseason – along with the salary cap definitely not going up, I'd say. It, right. it sounds like it'll stay the same as last year, if anything. So there's going to be some decisions to be made. And Aaron Baines, I I hope we're setting aside a little chunk of change for him, just in case. Yeah, definitely. So Baines was great on both ends of the floor, obviously. I think uh, one thing I want to bring up before we move on, defensively, the impact he had on Aiton, you touched on it. The one thing I noticed the most, though, is the communication on defense. Baines, you always you can hear Baines yelling in the arena if there's a screen coming, just communicating with everybody so well. And Aiden started doing that too, and I'd say that has a piece of that's a piece of why Aiden looked so much better on defense because of communication. But I think mainly just all around position defense and individual defense. I think he just took such a big step forward and Baines is a big part of that. Yes, definitely. All right. Then the two others we bring in Dario Saric and Frank Kaminsky and uh, Dario up and down throughout the season kind of got tossed into the starting lineup, out of the starting lineup, onto the bench, not even playing a few games. That was very interesting, but obviously looked incredible in the bubble. And then there's Frank Kaminsky, who definitely a hot and cold kind of guy, similar to Dario in that aspect. But Frank was down with injuries a few times this season and definitely towards the end, which he lost a lot of momentum. So it's tough to really put a grade on either of these guys this season because Dario was definitely on such an incline and Frank was sort of on the down. So it's tough to say who really looked better through some chunks of the season because Reminding everyone, Frank Kaminsky was our third leading scorer for a lot of games during the season. While Aiton was out, Frank stepped up quite a few games, so you got to give him a little love there. Yeah, Frank, it's just unfortunate with the injuries. That's kind of what I'm chalking it up to, especially in the bubble. He just came back and fell so flat. And I know he's a hot and cold, streaky kind of guy, but when you're injured for that long... It takes some time to get into the groove. Eight games might not be enough. So that is understandable. Um, Dario up and down as well. I think a lot of it was just like finding a good role for Dario. Yeah. And once we did that in the bubble, it, it went so well. And I think next season, if we end up bringing Dario back, which I think there's probably a good chance. I don't know where else he's going to get to play how he plays here. You know, I think there's a better chance of that. Um, but if he ends up being with the team again next season, uh, I think he's going to really be able to succeed. We're going to know what to do with him. I think so, too. And throughout the bubble, when Dario looked the most successful, I'd say, 
was when the other team was going small to some extent. And we'd throw Dario out there as our center too. That's when he looked really good on offense. I'd say probably the best at those points. But then again, when that happens, we do give up some rim protection because Dario is not going to be a guy who stops and stuffs everything at the rim. So I think we found a, a, the best way to play him throughout the bubble. And I think we'll be able to work that in in the regular season next year if we do keep him around. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with all that. So Frank Kaminsky, we have him on a team option for $5 million bucks. I think it's a good position for us to be in, being able to make a choice on a guy who is, um, do we want to call him a proven NBA player? Do we want to do that? Um, to an extent, maybe. Yeah, but $5 million might be a little much if we take into consideration how he looked all year. But I'm just happy we have this option. This is a this will be a positive decision to make this year. It's either we're going to find another big during the draft or free agency to be able to replace Kaminsky, or we're content with him playing a similar role where he's the third big guy off the bench, not having to rely on him too much. I, I like the situation. Maybe $5 million is a little too steep for that, but I'm interested to see where we go. Yeah, and I imagine we may wait until the 11th hour to make a decision on this. You know, see see how other things play out before deciding. Yep, that makes sense. Let that go until the end, whenever those... Man, that's another thing. We don't know when options are going to need to be agreed upon. We still don't know the salary cap. The draft is a month away. Trades aren't open. We don't know when trades are going to open. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, all the CBA negotiations keep getting extended. I saw it's now until the end of October, and I could see that continuing to get pushed back. I mean, I imagine they're going to try to have that stuff done before the draft. But, yeah, you know, I feel like once a week I get a Twitter notification from Shams or Woj saying the CBA negotiations have been pushed back again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm I'm getting a little worried about it because obviously things just keep moving back and moving back. But at some point, something's going to have to be finalized. And well, and here's the thing: like even in the like the post game stuff of the last game of the finals, everyone gave Adam Silver a lot of credit for running the bubble so successfully. No positive cases the entire time. Um, you know, played basketball for three months or yeah, maybe a little over three months, you know, put out a good product and whatever he does, I, I trust him, you know, he's shown that he's going to do his very best to navigate this. And the bubble just showed that he can adapt and make this stuff happen. We're a couple of Adam Silver fanboys here. Yeah, definitely right now. Yeah. All right. So we talked about the three new big guys. Let's talk about the new point guard on the team. We've been looking for a point guard for such a long time, and we bring in Ricky Rubio. And, man, what do you even say? He does so much in all aspects of the game. He takes pressure off guys. He makes guys better. He makes the team better. He's a defender. I love everything about Ricky Rubio, 
and it it didn't take any way anything away from Devin Booker's game either. He still Booker still improves with assists per game from year to year, and he's a great playmaker. And these two guys fit very well together. And I mean, what what else do you say? Ricky Rubio has been the point guard we've been looking for for quite a while. Yes, I was excited when he came. I'm sure we all remember the "Hey Sands fan" thing. <laughs> like he's a great guy to have on the team from just like a personal standpoint. And then on the court, of course, he makes a huge difference. He's a great passer. His scoring was also really good this season too. He had one of his better scoring seasons. Uh, his three-point shooting was a lot better than we expected. And yeah, I'm just thrilled with Rubio. I remember a point where I'd be nervous when Rubio was shooting threes, but he he earned it to where I would actually root for him to pull a three every once in a while. I think this was one of his better years in his career of shooting the three. So Yeah, it was. I mean, we, we got to take that. That's fantastic. And throughout the bubble, I mean, we... Oh, yeah, Ricky had COVID, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And Baines. That, it's, they I, both did. I kind of forgot all about that. But luckily, Ricky was able to come into the bubble and help us win those games, and he was he was a huge part of each one. And, yeah, maybe maybe you can say that he's overpaid a little bit, but the situation we were in, uh, we needed to do that. And I, I don't think it's an insane amount of money by any means. I, I don't even know that it's overpaying him that much. We needed a point guard. We did what we had to. Yeah, I... Who, how much did Brogdon Brogdon end up getting? I'm trying to remember what his contract's at. Yeah, I don't remember. While you look for that, though, I mean, think about what we would have done without Rubio. Booker would have been running the point a lot, and we probably would have had Ty Jerome or Javon Carter or, I don't know, maybe even Jalen LeCue. We'd probably see a lot more of him. Like, those would be the guys who'd be fighting for the starting point guard position. So I'm fine with, quote, overpaying Ricky Rubio. I mean, I think he earned his his contract. No, I think so, too. And as a, a veteran player, oh, I just saw a good story. Someone posted on Our Sons. Ricky Rubio's just uh, celebrated his anniversary of playing pro basketball. He started playing oh. pro ball when he was 14. Yeah. Wow. It's just so crazy to think of. I remember just hearing about Rubio when I was younger and how he was uh, one of the best junior players in the world and he'd be he'd be a pro in the NBA someday and then going to the Timberwolves, that was close to where I was from in South Dakota, so I got to watch him play his early years. That was really cool. And, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan. And Brogdon makes $85 million on a four-year deal, so that's about... 21 per year on average. I don't know, 17 million for Ricky. I I'd do that any day of the week and I'll do it yeah. for two more years. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's weird to think that Rubio's 29. He's only 29. I, I always think he's older and I looked it up the other day. This is wild. Matthew Delanadova is older than Ricky Rubio by one year. Yeah. That's, that seems pretty crazy. It is. But huh. yeah, like I always think he's like 32 or 33, but no, he's 29. He's still got a lot left in the tank. I hope so. So do you, 
I don't I personally don't think that having a playmaker like Rubio took anything away from Booker. I mentioned this earlier, but I'd argue Booker is a better all-around player due to Rubio being on the team. Oh yeah. And yeah, we didn't see as many 30 or 40 or 50 point games from Devin Booker, but we won a lot more games this year too. Winning games is nice. I can confirm that the bubble was a good time. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Booker's still going to get his. I don't think he's going to be upset when he doesn't score 60 or whatever. We know that he would rather win. Oh, a hundred percent. And when he needs to, he'll, he'll get his 30 or 40 or whatever, but I'd rather see 25 points and nine assists or something like that than have him need to score all those points. I, I like when, I like when the other guys help out and three guys that really had a great season and helped out are our wings, Kelly Oubre, Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson. Uh, I have nothing but good things to say about all these guys, the way they played last season. And let's just start with Kelly. He, he was the, the definite starter out of this group to start the year and played some excellent basketball. So what do you think about our wings in general more? Let's talk about Kelly first though. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Kelly. I've said it 10,000 times on the podcast, but emotional leader of the team Puts up good numbers, was clutch this year, hit multiple clutch threes. His three-point shooting was good, super athletic, good defender. I mean, I was so, so, so happy with Kelly. Kelly Kelly's a big-time guy. He, he does big-time things. He gets people hyped up. He gets his teammates hyped up and the fans excited. Yeah. He's a fun guy to have around no matter what. And he, he does... He does it on both ends of the floor, too. He'll stuff someone's stuff, as I like to say. <laughs> stuff someone's crust. There you go. <laughs> Shout out Pizza Hut. You're disgusting. <laughs> uh, inside joke there. Sorry about that. Anyways, <laughs> Kelly, I he just does so many good things. And Booker needs a guy like that on the floor with him. Because when Booker gets cooking... He's going to draw double teams. You need someone to kick it out to. Kelly Oubre can hit those threes. Kelly Oubre also can throw out a pump fake, bring it into the lane, and dunk it on anybody. We saw some insane highlights out of Kelly Oubre this year. It's the hype show when Kelly's on the floor. We need to keep it around. I've been going back and forth on what we should do, but I really think we need to keep this team intact as much as possible and add the pieces that are given to us this year with our draft pick, our MLE, whatever cash we have kicking around. Let's let's use that, but let's keep everybody together. I agree. We need Kelly here. And I'm also happy because he really limited any dumb decisions. I know last year, or I guess two seasons ago now, we were a little concerned that he wasn't going to make the best decisions all the time. There were times where he tried to play a little hero ball, and that kind of thing. But this past year, very little of that. Very, very few dumb decisions. I agree with that. At at points, I was leaning towards the whole Kelly Oubre is a black hole, similar to TJ Warren. Because the, when those guys got going downhill, you knew they weren't going to be kicking it out. It was going to be a four shot of some sort. 
And I mean, TJ's great at finishing in those situations and Kelly has improved on that for sure. But definitely this season, you saw Kelly playing a more heady game, being able to, you know, slow it down, stop the fast break when the numbers aren't there, make the right pass, make the extra pass. And that that's why we looked so good at times. That's why that starting lineup had the, such a great net rating towards the end of the year that yeah, everybody involved. Well, and that's all Monty Williams there too. Yes. You know, so another good thing about him and to go along with coaching, um, Mikhail Bridges eliminated that hitch out of his shot. And I know that shooting coaches had been working with him for a long time and he is now a knockdown three point shooter. He eliminated that little hitch and is good to go. So I was thrilled with that. Absolutely. We saw, and especially in the bubble, it, it, everything looked so smooth coming out of Mikhail. And he it wasn't just spot-up shooting either. We saw him hit a big shot to seal one of those games. I can't remember which game it was, but he got into the middle of the lane, spun, raised up over everybody, and had a, hit a nice little mid-range jumper with beautiful soft touch. And seeing those shots like that start to go down, you know those are confidence builders. When you're hitting shots like that, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to keep doing that now. And that that hitch is completely gone. It's crazy watching from the beginning of the season. I saw a video of Mikhail just shooting around, warming up with the hitch compared to how he looked in the bubble. It is insanely different. A lot of things changed in that shot. And if you're able to change your shot over the period of one season and then be hitting him at the clip he was like in the bubble, that's that's such a big sign. And we've always been leaning on his defense like, oh, he's a great defender. The offense will come. The offense is coming right now, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Defense was great. And then, I mean, I think we can say a lot of the same stuff about Cam Johnson, but he only had one season to do this. I mean, it was his rookie season, a very strange rookie season, but he broke out toward the end too. We knew he was a good shooter. We were concerned about some injury stuff and he dealt with a little bit of it this year and he took some time to, you know, to break out of his shell and to get comfortable. But once he did great, great, great shooter, more athletic than we thought, better defender than we thought. I think he's going to be very good moving forward, too. No, and I said this a few weeks ago, but the power that he has is what really blows me away, as I thought he was just going to be a spot-up shooter. That's literally all I thought he would be in the NBA. But we see him drive in and dunk over guys, sky in for a tip back and throw it home, block shots, He's a, he's a complete athlete out there. I was not expecting that. And throughout the year, you saw him bulk up, put on some good muscle. Yeah, I think the the quarantine time, the shutdown, really benefited young guys because now they knew what they were into, they knew what the NBA was like, and they knew what they had to do to improve in it. And those months that they had off, I think that out of anybody in the league, I think it probably benefited Cam Johnson the most. Who, who got that much better from regular season to bubble? Right, yeah. E- excluding a few guys on the Nets who hadn't played all year and got tossed in, obviously. But yeah. Yeah. Cam Johnson was so impressive. He was he was great. And not to be a downer, but we got to look realistically. 
Bridges, Johnson, and Oubre are all very good, and we are not going to be able to afford to have all of them. So we need to enjoy this time that we have all three. Because eventually it's not going to be like that. Oh, I don't I don't want to go into that situation. I know. I don't either. And it's a different one than the Dragic, Bledsoe, Thomas, and then throw in Knight after that. It's different than that. Because these guys are actually guys who can play more than one position. Right. But, I mean, financially, it's still three guys who can all do a similar thing. And you can't, all, you can't afford to pay all those guys what they deserve. Yeah. And, you know, that's when, the, when it all starts to topple, when we see what happens with Kelly Oubre. That will give us a picture of the future. Whew. I, I don't know if I'd be ready to give up Mikhail Bridges or Cam Johnson. You know, I don't want to. Do you want to see Kelly sign a huge deal with us? Kind of. Kind of see, I kind of do, but then you kind of think, well, Aiden's gonna have to sign a deal, Bridges is gonna have to sign a deal, then Johnson's gonna have to sign a deal, and Booker's gonna be due for another deal after all that. It's yeah. it's tough. Yeah, and then maybe Rubio too in a couple of years might have to think about that. Right, it's gonna be tough. Oh uh, well, that's a good problem to have though compared to the ones problem, we've though. had in the past. Those are assets. Those can those can be traded for better things. We got to remember that. Yes. Just because true. we're homers and we love these guys doesn't mean that uh, trading them is a bad thing. We got to remember that. Right. And then, I mean, we've talked about this so much recently, but the bubble. What a way to end the year after that long break. Uh, we were all hurting for basketball. The bubble comes in. We see the Suns play incredibly throughout it, going undefeated. And then if you look back the last three games of the actual season, the Suns ended this year on a 10-1 and streak. They went 2-1 and before the shutdown and then 8-0 in the bubble. It was great. It was a great way to end the season. It was much needed after shutting down from March until July. That was a rough period. But, yeah, it was just awesome. I mean, I I clearly remember the game that everything shut down. I was supposed to go to with my cousin and her husband and their kids. And I had got tickets. I had got all this fun stuff for the kids set up. And I remember she texted me and was like, hey, I'm hearing about this coronavirus stuff. Do you think we're still going to be able to go to the game? And I remember saying, like, yeah, I don't see why they'd shut it down. I'm sure we'll be fine. <laughs> and Oh, boy, was I wrong. We just didn't really know anything about this at that point. So, yeah, I, it was a very weird time. And I think we really needed this this bubble to go how it did because we were excited in March, you know, we were thinking maybe playoffs are still possible. We had just beat the Bucks pretty handily. And yeah, I mean, I was, I was very excited and then it all shut down, but the bubble brought that excitement back. Yeah. I'm, I'm just so glad it happened the way it did. And obviously I would have loved getting into that play in game because I think, I honestly think we could have made some noise. Not saying we would have beaten the Lakers in the first round and, you know, knocked off the future champions. I don't think that would have happened. But just the just getting in there would have been so nice. But the only thing 
the, the next step under that would have been going undefeated, kicking some butt in the bubble and getting hyped for next year. And that's what happened. So, right. Yeah. Next best thing for making the playoffs. And I'm, I'm excited for next season whenever it happens. Yep. I'm also and, interested. Uh, well, I'm interested to see if we call it the 2021 season since it won't be spanning two different years. Oh, it'll just be, well, <laughs> I don't, I, I guess I can't really say, I don't know for sure at this point, but the off season starts in 2020 though. So maybe you include the off season. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know, but whatever. It will be weird. That'd probably mess up some sort of, you know, like stat database. By just putting one year in, it'd probably just ruin everything. So they'll just call it 2020-21 either way. Yeah, probably. All right. Awesome way to end it in the bubble. But let's move on and talk a little bit about some of the interviews the Suns have been conducting over Zoom in this weird pre-draft stage. So the newest news is that the Suns have had two interviews with Kyra Lewis Jr., which is, uh, I I believe he's the only guy we've had two interviews with. I see a total of six that we've contacted so far. I don't know if that's completely up to date, and by the time this episode comes out, it may have changed. But Kyra Lewis, with two interviews this quick into the situation, might be a little telling. But maybe it's a bluff. Like this is a whole new whole new ball game when it comes to a pre-draft process. So who knows? Yeah, I've never thought of it that way, but that's funny because it's not it doesn't cost anything to bring these guys in now. So, yeah. Oh, we've done three interviews now with some no name guy just to throw everyone off. (laughs) That could be that's an interesting thought. No, uh, Kyra Lewis Jr. um, He's small. He needs to put on some weight for sure. Um, But his free throw shooting percentage this last year was around 80%, which is pretty good. Three-point shooting, I believe, was about 36%, so pretty good, too. Um, his numbers look decent. He played for uh, a decent Alabama team. Uh, I don't think he would be a terrible pick at 10. He would just – he'd need some work. He'd need to gain some strength, put some weight on. Um, I still think there's better options at the point guard position, though, that should be available to us at 10, depending on what happens. But, you know, of the guys that we've interviewed, so Kyra Lewis Jr., Tyrell Terry, Trey Jones, Zeke Naji, Jalen Smith, Precious Achua, I think of all those guys, the only one I have any semblance of interest in is Kyra Lewis. Right, this is interesting. And Tyrell Terry... I mean, there all of a sudden he grew an inch and put on 25 pounds of muscle between the college season and now because he he's a really tiny dude, like Trey Young, maybe even thinner than him. Wow. And he gets compared to Young because he's a great shooter. And man, I don't know. Point the point guard position is an interesting draft. I I'd, I'd still consider it a need because I don't think that campaign javon carter ty jerome jalen lequeux i don't know if any of those guys are a true backup point guard for a playoff basketball team but then i see guys like tyrell terry can shoot it from anywhere in the gym that's cool kyra lewis has the potential to be a solid shooter and he's so athletic but then i come back to 
smaller athletic point guards that you think like, is this going to be a guy like De'Aaron Fox who, who his athleticism is what puts him above a lot of guys and he can just blow by anybody. Or is he going to be Ish Smith? Right. That's what worries me a lot about players like that. I, I personally, traditionally like bigger point guards who can't get bullied around. Just, I just like having height out on the floor, but these two guys, I like Lewis and Terry, I'm not opposed to either. I don't know if Terry's worth a 10 pick. I'd consider Lewis more in those lines, but I don't know. Two interviews for Lewis, though. That's interesting. Who who else is going to get two this quick? Yeah, well, and I wonder if this is telling that, like, we're going to try to trade down, maybe see what we can get for that 10 pick trade down. I mean, these all look like guys who are going to be available later than 10. Yeah, that's that's true. And who knows what the next wave of interviews will be. Maybe we'll see guys like uh, Killian Hayes or uh, Hopefully Halliburton. Halliburton. Uh, I like how be interesting. Yeah. And then even like Vassell. Mm-hmm. But you saw that, right? Vassell, his uh, he he worked on his shot. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. What in the world is he doing? He, it looks like a catapult. He brings it so far behind his head now. It, look, it looks so weird. Yeah. It doesn't I, look I'm, natural. And it, it wasn't the prettiest shot in the first place. But now, I don't right. know how that's an improvement. Yeah, and I don't – I'm just – like, when I first watched a lot of his tape, I was, like, kind of excited about Vassell. But the more and more I think about it, the more I'm, like, I think we would be better served with someone else – you know, I know positionless basketball and everything like that. I harp on that so much, but I'm like, we have guys who do what he does, but better already. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about Ubre. What's going to happen with him? Is he going to get a big contract? Are we going to try to keep him around longer? Are we going to try to trade him? What's going to happen? I, I like the idea of Vassell being able to fit into that role that we have where you know, like like what Bridges and Johnson and Ubre can do. I think Vassell does that well. And why not have two guys who we can play uh, the three and the four? It, I I don't know. It, it seems like it may be a little wasted if we do do that because yeah, maybe a more traditional four who can play the five, who can bully a little bit, something like that. I'm interested in that. And then point guard, obviously. That's that's a problem that needs to be solved still. Backup yeah. point guard. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think I think there are some good candidates for backup point guard here. It's what we need. We're not going to probably get someone who's going to be a starter at the 10 pick in this draft. So I just kind of think we should focus on that backup point guard role. I'm not opposed to that either. And if we trade back, I'm definitely not going to be upset no no. trade back maybe get a guy in the last year of his deal or something and a later pick in the first find a guy you know like this list we have no one's projected to be a lottery pick out of those guys pretty much so right except lewis maybe terry who knows maybe yeah it's going to be an odd draft i'm excited for the actual there's some sort of workouts happening, right? They're actually yeah. going to be bringing yeah. guys in and 
I want to yes. see those numbers. I want to see who's the fastest. I want to see who has the best vertical. I want to see all that stuff because that's yeah. still what we're missing out on. Definitely. Yeah, I want to see it all too. And with that, we will move to our non-sports section of the show. Our question this week is, what is your favorite berry? I'm a raspberry man. I like everything about them. I like the texture of them. If you're just eating them raw, it, there's like almost a little fuzz. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. And then the seeds, I like the crunchy seeds. It's just, you know, I like raspberries. Raspberry jam, jelly, all about that. Yeah. Artificial raspberry flavored things, I'm all about that. I, I think it that's definitely definitely number one. Yeah. My grandparents growing up had like raspberry bushes in their backyard. Nice. And those were good to just pull them off and eat them. Those are yeah. great. Yeah. I I like raspberries. Um they're also one of my favorites. My only gripe is they go bad very quickly. True. That's the only issue. And because of that, I think I'm gonna go with blackberries. They're a little bit bigger. They're juicy, still tart. Um, I like that they last a long time. Um, I I don't really know the difference between like Marion berries or boysenberry or anything like that, but mm-hmm. it all seems kind of like blackberry to me. And I like that flavor a lot. I like the seeds in there too. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of blackberries. Mix that. You can mix raspberry or blackberry with like lemonade too. That's oh really yeah, that's that's where the money's at. Yeah. Um, are strawberries the biggest berries? Um, probably. And strawberries are the only fruit to have its seeds on the outside. Hmm. I didn't realize they were the only one. I like strawberries too. It's just not my favorite flavor, especially when it comes to the artificial stuff. Artificial strawberry isn't my favorite. I agree with that. Yeah. And man, like when I think of a berry, I think of a small round. Berry. Yeah. Strawberries mm-hmm. are like big. I mean, I still like strawberries. Don't get me wrong. They're True. great. Yeah. Nothing wrong with strawberries at all. Yeah. They they might be my number two, but I'm also a blueberry guy. Yeah, blueberries. I like blueberries too because they last a very long time. They're I guess they're like really really good for you. Um, nice flavor. Eh, I just raspberries, blackberries are better. I think. I also like hollyberries. <laughs> All right. And Rick and Brent. <laughs> All right. Is that getting cut? No, that's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Sunny and Phoenix podcast. Uh, check us out on social media at Sunny and PHX Pod. That's Twitter and Instagram. And next week we'll do a bit of a whole NBA season recap, and we'll keep you guys up to date with who the Suns have been bringing in to these pre-draft Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again next week. Go Pick your poison, tell me what you do. Everybody go respect the shooter. But the one in front of the gun lives forever. The one in front of the gun forever. And I've been hustling all day. This away, that away. Through canals and alleyways. Just to say, money trees is the best.
perfect place for shading. That's just how I feel. Nah.